uh, serving and ministry at a church, and one day we came to the welcome time in our service, on which in our church you would stand and you would greet people and uh, you would enjoy the fellowship for a few moments, and then everybody would wander back to their seat. Maybe if you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, that particular Sunday, I greeted a gentleman and uh, welcomed him to our church. I had been there serving for about four years, the first time I had ever seen him. And I welcomed him, and then in a snarly type of way, he says, Do you not know who I am? I've been a member here for over a decade. And in my thought process, I was like, Well, we're glad to have you. I've been here four years, and I serve on staff, and it's great to meet you. And I wondered in that moment, how does a guy who's been here over a decade as a member greeted as a first-time guest? How is that even possible? And so one of those conversations, a similar one like that, is one of the reasons that when we first began this work, uh, we thought about a church reimagined. We thought about what it would look like if our membership really mattered. What would it look like if every two years we decided that we were just going to clear the roll all the way back to zero? And I know you're like, man, that seems a little bit, like almost a little bit tough. Like, what, what are you doing? And here's the deal is because we know that people move. We know that people are deceased. We know that other people go, you know what, we just can't get on board with the mission anymore. And so we just said early on, every two years, we're going to give people an opportunity to choose whether or not they want to continue to serve along with us on this battleship, on this mission that we have together as the local body. And, and it really just brings up a lot of questions. When you start thinking about that, you go, well, how, how do you do that? How, how do you know who's re-upping? How do you know who's committed? And so early on, in order to help kind of solve that challenge, we came up with what we call a 4C assessment. A 4C assessment was something that every member uh, did when they first came on, and then also it's something that they would do every two years. Uh, we can't do it annually because it's too much work, okay? Uh, and so we just thought we'll do it every couple of years, and we'll remind people uh, what it is they've, they've signed up for, and we'll give them a chance to deselect us. We'll give them a chance that if they want to be shepherded by someone else or if they have, have another uh, church body that they, they love or that they're committed to, we want to give them that opportunity. But we need to know every two years who's committed to this thing, who, who's in on the battleship as we forge ahead for the mission of the gospel. And over the last two weeks, we just talked about what the church really is. And here's what the church is. It's a mission. Uh, and you are the mission. We are the mission. 100% of us in this room who are members of this body called Stone Point Church, a local assembly trying to make a difference in Van Zandt County around the world, you are the mission. Uh, missions isn't something we do. We are living missionally. Jesus says, go. And so we know that we are to go. And you go, well, what do you mean I I'm going to go? And here's just reminds us when we first started this series two weeks ago, we're going to a place where the gospel is not made known. And the way we go is to take the word of God and the work of God to people who don't know him. And so that's how we started this thing. But I think it does beg a really good question. Maybe you're here and you go, man, I'm, I'm visiting for the very first time. And you're telling me uh, that you guys love membership and, and you got to recommit. I like that. It's intriguing to me because I've never heard that. For many of us in here, it's, it's kind of a concept that's new to us over the last four or six or some of us eight years. 
Um, and, and you go, it's kind of new to me too, because I'm used to just having membership. And it, then it brings a couple of questions. And here's a few of the questions I think today we're going to ponder on, and we're just going to dive this, through the scriptures for them. I think number one is, is membership, is that really something God's concerned about? I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, when we give our lives to Jesus, we follow him. It's called salvation. The scripture, we call it justification. It says if we've never sinned. Christ has paid our debt. The question is, don't we become members of his entire body then? I mean, once he saves us, redeems us, justifies us, ultimately moves us towards the path of working out our salvation. It's another church word called sanctification. When that happens, aren't we a part of his body? Aren't we members already? So why do we need another membership? That's a great question. The second question is, is this, is what is membership? I mean, at the end of the day, we're used to membership. I mean, you think about it. Uh, you think about any civic organization that you join. I mean, you have membership, and typically that means rights. You go to the gym, you have rights. You can come into the gym 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anytime you'd like, uh, unless you buy a limited version, which is only like three days a week. But either way, you pay and you receive. It's kind of this idea. And for us, we've always wrestled with that tension because is that really what membership is within the local body? I mean, it's that way for other organizations. You have a uh, membership at the local golf course. You get to go. And not only do you get to go, but you get the privilege of going to the restaurant. You get to bring all your little kids, and they get to swim, and they get to bring all their little friends, and they get to swim. And here's the deal. They should serve you. At the end of the day, they should bring you towels, and they should bring you sodas, and they should make sure that you're served. It's the same thing when you board uh, a carnival cruise. You've paid, and you should be served. But I think a better terminology within the church Although I will not go against God's word on this, okay? Membership is God's word. I'll explain it to you in a second. But I think a better terminology maybe would be the idea of ownership. I mean, at the end of the day, ownership just says, hey, uh, this is something we're on board with. Uh, this is something that we are going to be a part of. Uh, reminds me uh, of how I used to think, okay? And so there was a time and a season in Kelly and I's lives where we rented, okay? Now listen, if you're a landlord and you have rent houses, God bless you. And here's why. Uh, because I thought when I rented a house, I thought, man, if the toilet gets stopped up, then guess who I call? The landlord, I'm paying him. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm paying them. They should come. I mean, when, when the yard gets as high as it could possibly get before I have to mow it, right? I'm either going to mow it or, if hey, if the landlord doesn't like the way it looks, then guess what? He could come and mow it, right? And the idea of that is this, is that when you, when you think of it like that, and I'll tell you, I think my thinking was warped and jaded. You think it like that, it's like, I pay rent, and so they should take care of this. But it changes when you go to the mortgage company and you sign your name on the dotted line, and when you have ownership, doesn't it? I mean, when the toilet gets stopped up, whose problem is that? It's my problem. Hey, when that yard gets too high and all my neighbors are mad, guess whose problem that is? That's my problem. Hey, guess what? When that roof leaks, right? Or that fascia and that soffit on the side of the house is rotten out, guess whose problem that is? That's whose problem? My problem. And I think ownership is probably a better example of what God meant in membership. I think it's people bearing one another's burdens. It's caring for one another. It's loving one another. It's being committed to something that's not only going to be larger than us, but ultimately it's also going to outlast us. 
And I'll tell you, we had big dreams when we started that we said, hey, membership is going to be all in. It's going to be ownership, and people are going to serve, and they're going to be in groups. And we actually, when we first began, we said, if you sign on the dotted line, you're saying, and we would go through at the very end of every starting point class, and we'd say, just so we're clear, you're saying you're going to be in a group. Yes. You're going to serve somewhere in our body. Yes. You're going to share the gospel with people at work and and any other place that God takes you. Yes. And everybody for eight years that's ever signed our membership covenant in the local body here said, we're going to take ownership of this place. And I'll tell you, if there's a confession that I would have more than any other confession, maybe that I've missed it as a leader, is I haven't held the accountability standards that I should have held over the eight years. I've probably been too lax. I've probably given too many excuses. I've probably been too lenient and too graceful. And not because of different seasons in our life, but at the end of the day, we love having something like membership behind our name. But we don't always love the idea of possessing ownership. And so it just brings up those questions. Is membership important? Is it biblical? Should we continue that path? Or should we do something different here? And I think that's kind of where we are at Stone Point right now. We're kind of in an impasse. Hey, what do we keep doing? And so then it just brings you back just to the scriptures and it goes, hey, how, how do we continue? And, and I'll tell you why we're at an impasse is this, is that uh, we're at the point where we've got to decide, is this really the way that we believe that Scripture wants us to go? Is this the way that we best care for our flock? Or, hey, should we just say, hey, you know what? Anybody can be a member here. And I think there's some, there's some questions we've got to answer today. So let's just dive into the Scripture. My prayer is at the end of the day that you'll walk out of here and you'll go, hey, does membership matter? Does it not matter? Is it local? Is it global? What is it? Okay. And so look, it's a very delicate topic. Um, It's not one that I especially love to preach all the time. Um, It's kind of like money in the local church. Um, And so uh, can we just pray together? And on both campuses, just ask the Lord that he would uh, illumine our hearts and our minds to this topic and and, uh, that I wouldn't get too passionate and say something stupid. That would be helpful too, okay? Let me, let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your church. We thank you that you love us and care for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you call us to care for one another. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that in uh, the, the body of Christ, you have established uh, both people that are a part of the body. You've also um, said that you are the head of the body. That is Christ. So, Lord, we know that you... You died. You purchased us with your bloodshed. God, you redeemed this, this local thing, this bride, this, this context of people. You've redeemed us. It's precious to you. And so, Lord, we know that as we discover your word, that you have something to say about it. So, Lord, help us to feel the, the weight of what you mean and what the scriptures imply. Lord, help us to navigate through this in a, in a way that does it justice. I pray that we're thorough. I, I pray that we're um, open-minded. I pray that we are willing to hear and see. And I pray ultimately that, uh, God, you would give us wisdom here. Uh, Father, we pray um, that this delicate matter um, that oftentimes can be a little bit unnerving. I pray you would just settle all of that. Lord, at the end of the day, uh, there's no agendas here. There's there's just a simply a desire to be the body of Christ, and we want to we want to we want to go to war with you on mission for the cause of your namesake across the globe. So help us know how to do that best. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we dive in, I think it's really important for you to know that this thing here that we're about to talk about is not mine. It's not yours. This thing called the bride of Christ is blood purchased. It is ransomed for God's glory. It is an organism that God saw fit to establish. We are the bride of Christ. It is a serious deal. It is serious that many churches don't think it's serious. It's serious that people could literally sign up and not show up for a decade only to be offended by their lack of ownership. I mean, think about that for just a second. Not in the context of me as a pastor, as a leader trying to equip and disciple and get people and sheep to go one way, but just think about it through the lens of the God of the Bible who sent his son to live among a pagan people, a hard-hearted, stiff-necked people that were called the Israelites, and to seek and to save them and ultimately to provide the gospel to both Gentiles and Jews alike only to establish his church in a church that would become stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and ultimately not understand the agony and the blood that was shed for such a beautiful bride. And so think about that as we just dive into this text. And I think there's a handful of things that we've got to answer. One is just real quickly, is membership biblical? Where does that come from anyway? And if you have your Bibles, then you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians a little bit because the Corinthian church, um, they, they ta- they're going to teach us a lot. One, they're going to teach us about how you have examples in the local church, mostly because they were really messed up. Uh, and so it was a great place to learn from them. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, though, you get kind of this idea of what the church is. And ultimately, this is, the, this is where you're going to see the term membership come from. It's where it comes from. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so here, you think about members, and I think uh, it takes me back to my time in college. Uh, I didn't get a Bible degree in college. What I got was a kinesiology degree. And so I studied phalanges, okay? Uh, I studied parts of the body. And you start thinking about the parts of the body, there's tons of the parts of the body. And as you think about the church, that's the example that you have in the Corinth church, is that there's many different members. So when you think about members, think about the body. Uh, You think about fingers, you think about toes, you think about ears and eyes and nose. That rhymed. That was pretty awesome, right? You think about all of those things that make up the body, and then you start thinking about how comfortable would I be if I lost all of my fingers? How comfortable would I be if I just had my leg severed at my kneecap? And here's the what you know is, is when an organism is working the way that it's supposed to, meaning the body that you have been given by God, it means that all parts not only are there, but they also function. And as we get older, as we get out of bed, often days we go, Lord, I'm not sure this part of my body is functioning anymore. And you start feeling things. You've got numbness in places you didn't have it, your, your joints, your, your body aches, and you would... You'd oftentimes go, man, I don't even know what that is. I mean, what is that? 
And the deal is, is that you begin to sense things about the body, members of your body that you've never sensed before. And I think that's the local church. In the local church, in the context of the, the local church, or even God's church, I think you need to realize that it is multiple members that make up one body. And so we get the term members from this text. Verse 19, it just says, if, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. At the end of the day, what's so special about God's church whether it be universal or local, is that he saw fit to redeem different people, different shapes, sizes, colors, personalities, all these different things for his body. And at the end of the day, I think he begs a really good question, Paul does, as he writes to the, the Corinthian church. If you were the, if you were the body, then, then what are you going to be without all these other parts? What are you going to be if there are things that are missing? And so here's what we do know. We know that the church is not an organization. We know it's an organism. We know that it's meant to be alive, and it functions best when all parts work according to their jobs. And it's the same is true for you. If you were to cut something off of you right now, not only would you have uh, lots of different things oozing out in different places, but I'll tell you, you would also have a challenge that part of your body would no longer function the way it formerly did. And so that means that you now are presented with some obstacles. And God goes, look, what's best within the local context or even the universal body of the church is that all of my parts in which I've redeemed and ultimately in sanctified are working according to the way I've designed them to work. And so he goes, you're a part, and the goal is to work. The goal is to function properly because it benefits the whole body. And I think that's a question we have to begin considering. And so as you think about that, the question now is, is, is it biblical that there is membership? And I think the answer is absolutely it's biblical that there's membership. The question you got to answer now is, is it just global or is it ultimately local? And so here's the question. I think, and I hope I can prove it to you in just a second, I think that you can make a biblical case that membership is, is actually local and that local membership is an expression of God's global body. So I think that membership is local, and I think it's an expression of the universal whole. And so you got to go, okay, if you, if you know that we're all members based off of one body, and Christ is the head, and we are the parts, then the next question you have to ask is, is it local? And I think there's four reasons that I think it's local, and I give them to you, and I think they're all beneficial to us today, so let's lean in. Uh, number one is that the local body seems to be an expression of the whole body because it's a gathering of believers, and ultimately it's a gathering of believers that you and I can identify so think about this for just a second, okay? Now, you think about the letters that we have in the New Testament. You've got uh, guys that are writing. You've got Paul that's writing most of these letters to churches. Uh, he writes to places like Rome. Um, he writes um, to really about the church in Jerusalem. He, he tells us clearly uh, about the, the church in Corinth. He tells us about the church in Galatia. He tells us about the church in Ephesus. Uh, he tells us about the church in Philippi. He tells us about all of these local bodies. And as he's doing so, he's going to use uh, really the term uh, ecclesia, and he's going to identify a local body over 90 different times in the New Testament. 
And so in 90 different times, he is speaking specifically about a local body. He's not talking about a universal whole. He's talking to a group of people specifically located in one place and one time and in one narrative and in one setting. And so that's what he does. And you'll see that time and time again. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19, he's going to say this, to the churches of Asia, I send you greetings. And then he's going to say this, Aquila and Priscilla, together with the church and their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. I mean, you'll see that time and time and time again. He's going to send a specific greeting, not only to a location, but ultimately to leaders and certain house. The church in Philippi, when they first began, meeting under a tree. And so what we know is, is that from history, there is a global body. It's people that God has sanctified or ultimately justified into sanctifying for his use for the kingdom of God. But he goes, but there's something important. And that is, it's a gathering of believers in a specific place, in a setting. And that specific gathering of believers, they ultimately should concern themselves with who's going to do their parts, what ownership is taken, who's going to take the lead on these people, who's going to be accountable to God for them, and what are you going to accomplish together? Because here's at the end of the day, the church is not meant to be the 4-H club. It's not meant to be young life. It's not meant to be the local gym. It is meant to be an organism and which is functioning for a mission, taking the work of God and the word of God to the people that don't know God for his purposes and every part should function in a way that blesses the entire organism. Why? Because if you take a part cut off from the organism, then the organism flops. And that's God's word. And so that's why we said from the beginning, hey, somehow we got to make sure that people realize that apparently membership does matter. And here's why. Because it's not just a gathering of believers bearing one another's burdens, but ultimately there's more required. The gathering of believers ultimately would live for the purposes of God, taking the work and the word of God. But what happens? What happens if in this journey called ownership or membership, one of us gets off track? What if one of us does something that's contrary to the body? What if one of us does something that ultimately slows the body down or in some ways even brings a detriment to the entire body? What do you do? And there's this thing called church discipline, I think is the second reason that you should consider membership. Now, when you think about church discipline, I think oftentimes our our terminology is negative. I mean, I don't know about you, I I think church discipline, and I think um, discipline like a father would a child, right? And I think oftentimes, at least when I was a child, I always thought that discipline was negative. Um, I can remember running from my mother, okay? I never ran from my dad because uh, I didn't think he was going to spank me near as hard, but I ran from my mama, and uh, she could chase me down. And here's the deal. Why? Well, Hebrews 11 answers that question. I mean, uh, or Hebrews 12, I'm sorry. And it's, you discipline those that you love. And I think we think about discipline in a negative way. We think of it as like discipline means that you're going to get on to me, and ultimately, and it can be that. It can be admonishment. But the question is, why do you discipline? And here's the reason. You discipline because you love someone. 
You discipline because you know that there's something better around the corner for them. You discipline because it's your responsibility as a parent to do that. Well, it's the same. It's very similar within the local body. And so you'll see discipline and you'll see how it's supposed to be handled. And you might ask yourself, well, how is it? Well, Matthew chapter 18 in the gospel, you get a very clear indication of what Jesus says uh, should happen. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, he goes, hey, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell it to him that it's his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by evidence of two or three. And, and so the question is, what, what happens? I mean, so here's, here's what you do. You, you go to your brother. If he chooses not to listen, then you take two or three others. If he refuses then, then you treat him like an unbeliever. But what if he does listen, then you've gained your brother, meaning that you have unified the body, you've strengthened it. Um, there's another great example of that in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Let's look at 1 and 2, verse 5, and then we're going to look at verses 12 and 13. It says, it is actually reported, Paul writing to the church of Corinth, he goes, it's reported that there's sexual immorality among you. And it's the kind that's not tolerated even among the pagans, for a man has his father's wife. So in case you're having a hard time with that, there's a man sleeping with his mother. So you've got an incestuous relationship going on in the Corinthian church. And what Paul says, he goes, even the pagans don't do this. So he goes, we've got to talk about it. And not only do we have to talk about it, there's going to have to be a council, uh, there's going to be a council of people. They're going to have to get together and figure out what they're doing. Verse 2, and it says, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be, and then you can underline this, because I know you never hear about it, but it says, let them be removed from among you. You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever been a part of the church where they gathered you in and they said, hey, today we're going to remove you from our presence and we're going to deliver you over to the hands of Satan? You're like, no, I've never heard that. Like, I've never heard. Now, can, now here's the, let me put this one in your, in, in your uh, context. If you did hear that, you think the local news agency is going to pick up on that? I mean, you think Fox 4, you think they're called? Absolutely, right? I mean, in a day and age of tolerance and equality and treating everybody fairly, can you imagine what it would take for a church to get to a place where they would excommunicate someone? And then you got to ask yourself the question, I mean, should we excommunicate someone? I mean, what happens? And Jesus goes, listen, go to them. If they've sinned, share with them. We hope they listen. We hope that you gain your brother. But what if they refuse to listen? And then now you go and you take two other people with them. If they won't listen to two or three, then guess what? You're going to... And he says, treat them as an unbeliever. It's the same context here that you're getting in the church of Corinth. He goes, you're going to hand them over to the enemy. You're going to hand them over to the prince of the power of the air. And here's why. Because they used to formally walk in darkness, but now we're a priesthood of believers walking in the marvelous light of Christ, right? So as you walk in the marvelous light of Christ, we should be sanctified and ultimately we should look as if Christ has redeemed us. Now, I'm not talking about a couple of bad days. What I'm talking about is someone who, in a sense, has gone apostate, Hebrews 6. It's the idea of someone that has run away from the Lord. They don't have plans to come back. You've gone to them. And because of the destruction of their flesh, it's time to excommunicate them. That's what it's talking about. 
Verse 12 answers a great question for us, and it just says, For what do I have to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Now, you may be here and you may go, okay, so you're talking about church discipline? No, what are you talking about? I think there's two things. Number one is, yes, church discipline should happen more than it does. And number two, who does church discipline happen for? It happens for the member. So is membership biblical? And the answer is, I think so, and here's why. Imagine if church membership wasn't biblical. Does that mean that we can judge outsiders? How do you know who the insider is? So think about it this way. If you're a first-time guest in here, what if we just had you stand and we raised a charge against you? You would never come back, would you? Why? Because the church cannot logically bring a charge against a first-time guest, and honestly, it shouldn't bring a charge against anyone who's not a member of the body. But if you're a member of the body, apparently, locally, you're signing up for something. And I think one of the things you're saying is, is not only do I align with you as local leaders and in this local assembly, but I'm asking you to love me enough to discipline me. Think about that for just a second. See, we think in a negative context, and I also get it, you could say, Well, so you're saying that if you're going to excommunicate someone or you're going to remove them from a membership role, should you really do that? I mean, that seems kind of harsh. I mean, should we do that? And I would just make the case that if you don't do that, you're not loving them well. I mean, think about this. Listen, I want you you to lean in on this part right here with me. Guys, if you ever see me within our communities, or in our county, and I'm living in a way that's contrary to the good of the gospel and ultimately would be a detriment to this body, I hope that you would tap me on the shoulder. I hope that you would approach me first and say, hey, listen, I saw something in you that surprised me. And it's a little bit concerning, but I want to give you the benefit of the doubt. I think that you've sinned in this context. I I would love for you to confess that, and ultimately, I would love to see you repent, and I would love to see you make a move to come back. And and I hope my heart is genuine repentance. And then if I can't listen to one of you, then get two or three of you and come back and say, hey, listen, man, we're really concerned about this. We're concerned about where you were, about what you were doing. I hope you would love me, and I hope you'd love my wife, and I hope you'd love my kids enough to save me from the error of my way. And here's the deal. If you're not going to love me that way, I want out of membership here today. I genuinely want out of it. But if you'll commit to love me that way, hey, dude, you can't do that. You can't yell at them like that. You can't act that foolish. Press in on me, please, for the good of the gospel and for the glory of God in my life. Love me enough to tell me that. Why? Because I know I'm prone to be an idiot. I just confessed that to you a second ago. But that's what I signed up for. That's what I want in the body that I've invested my heart and blood and my soul in. I want that in a church. I don't see discipline as a bad thing because I know that the discipline of my parents ultimately refined me for the betterment of God's glory. I know that the only reason I'm in ministry today is because I had mom and a dad that were praying for me, pointing for that. That They were preparing me for those moments. And by God's grace and the discipline, I needed more of it probably than I got. 
It sharpened me and it honed me for a place where I am today. And that's what we desire. And so do I believe that you can make the case that church membership is important? I would say yes. Not only is it important, but I can explicitly say that the local context of church membership is shown in the New Testament by the way that the, that the, the members of the body work together and ultimately through church discipline. And so the question is, is who do you hold accountable? I don't think you hold accountable first-time guests. I don't think you hold accountable people who aren't members of your church, but I do think you hold people accountable who said, I want to be held accountable. And the way we've best figured out how to do that here is we just say, hey, here's a membership covenant. And I get it. You're like, it's a piece of paper. And does God really need a piece of paper? And the answer is no, but you did a piece of paper when you got married, so what's the big deal? It was a covenant then. I mean, you can go into semantics. The goal is not semantics for us. The goal is, is are we on this mission together? As your leader, as your pastor, can I hold you accountable? And are you willing to hold me accountable? That's what we're signing up for. At the end of the day, we use a piece of paper and a 4C assessment every two years. That's how we've chosen to do it. Not because it's the best way or the right way, but because we feel like that's the most practical way for us. But at the end of the day, you could go over semantics all day. Somehow we've got to define who the body is and who membership is and who desires to be held accountable at the end of the day. So then that begs the question is, okay, if you're saying that church membership is a group of people who desires to gather together locally to hold each other accountable towards discipline, then what is the responsibility? And there's responsibility in leadership in two different groups. And so the third thing is through church leadership. And what do I mean by that? Well, here's the deal. Church leadership is not expressed merely through pastors and elders and teachers, but church membership is expressed through the body. Now, here's the deal. In this part of the body, I happen to be a, a pretty large mouth. And so I have the task of teaching, and I have the task in a sense of, of having some eyes and knowing, hey, here's where we want to go. This is kind of a trajectory. And as, as your pastor now, I spend the majority of my time helping lead our staff, help navigate uh, a lot of the, the waters that we are living in. And, and one of my primary responsibilities is to teach and to prepare others to teach. Now we have lots of other leaders, but here's the deal. All of our leaders have the task of equipping our members to do the work of the body. And so we are equippers by nature. And so what we want to do is equip you to succeed. Now here's the deal. Can I confess to you? I think we're eight years in, and over the last three or four years, I think we realize that we could have done a better job in some equipping areas. Matter of fact, one of the things that we've done recently at really... One of my charges is you can, you can task me with it is going, you know what? I want to gather all of our first impressions people early in the morning. And I want, I want to begin having conversation with them. I want you to begin praying with them. Let's begin to pass the word on to them. Let's begin to hold them accountable. Let's begin to raise the bar a little bit. Why? Because ultimately that's what we all signed up for initially. And I get it, it's not necessarily convenient, but here's the deal. When we first started this thing, it wasn't convenient. You know, when we first started, here's what we'd do. A group of us would huddle together. We would pray for one another. We would encourage one another with what the Lord was teaching us the word. And then we would get in this room on the Wills Point campus, and we would pray over every seat. And we did that in the first three years, and we hadn't done it in the last five. And we just said, you know what, we need to do that again. We need to get back in to where we're doing the things that help us be the members of this body. And so we just said, hey, that's on us as the flock and the leaders. So here's the deal. There is the flock. Who's the flock? The flock are those who are members. 
Hebrews 13 says this, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way and imitate their faith. So within the local assembly, apparently there are leaders and there are people that are followers. Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. It reminds me a little bit of Ephesians 5. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. And you, I know you're like, oh, here he goes. No, no, listen, wives, you can't submit to a husband who's not submitting to the Lord. And, and, and in all of this conversation, when you think about church membership, when you think about marriage, you need to understand that we're talking about order and equality all the way. Even though there's diversity in our gifts, there's equality and there's unity. There is not one who usurps the other by their authority. My goal today is not to tell you, hey, this is how we do it because I'm the guy with all the authority. That's not the goal because I'm not the guy with all the authority. I'm merely one man among all of us as ultimately leaders and as members of this body. And what I am saying is this, is that as the members of our body, we should submit to those that are over us. Why? Because Hebrews 13, 17 goes on and says, because you're keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning. That would be, that would be of no advantage of you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13 just says this, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem their very highly in love because of their work. At the end of the day, it, it definitely points to not only is there a local assembly, a gathering of believers, there is bearing one another, there is accountability and discipline, and then you also have leaders. And as you have leaders, you also have members. And here's the, what the members are to do. Members are to do their part, and they are also to highly esteem the leaders that are over their watch. Why? Because at the end of the day, they are accountable to God for you. And so membership matters. Why? Because apparently leaders need to be able to figure out who's in their flock. Who is it that's actually in their pasture eating their grass? And is this one huge universal pasture and everybody can eat any grass anytime they want and move from pasture to pasture? And I don't think so. I think what it's clearly showing is is that there are boundaries in which the local body acknowledges who's in that body, who's in the assembly, who's doing their part, who's working, and then ultimately who they're submitting to as their leaders. And don't get me wrong, I understand that there's a great measure of faith to trust us as leaders. But ultimately, if you say, hey, this is where God's got me, and you say, we're going to submit to these leaders, then, then you got to submit to the leaders, which means no gossiping, no grumbling and complaining, and oftentimes the things that we, we miss. Look, can I confess to you that we don't always get it right? Can I confess to you that there's lots of time and prayer and lots of thoughtful conversations? Oftentimes, the, the things that we desire don't always come to fruition, particularly on our timelines. But can I tell you that in the last eight years, I do not think there's been a single time where we have tried in any way to maliciously lie to you, dupe you, promise you something that we couldn't come through with. There's never been a time on my watch that I know of for me personally or our time that we have not been stewards of the resources that God's entrusted to our care, that we haven't tried with all of our ability to love you, to be faithful to you as the bride of Christ. But can I tell you, yeah, there have been many times over the last eight years that we would have done some things differently. Probably wouldn't have sent that email, might have sent that one a little different, probably could have worded that differently, might have made a different choice there. 
Are there regrets? Absolutely. But was any of it malicious? No, that's never been our heart. And so the deal is, is this, it's one of the things that as a flock, you have to always decide, are, is this the, the people that God have God leading me towards? Is this the body that I'm supposed to be on board with, using my gifts, deploring all of this? And that's something you have to answer. And here's why, because the other part of leadership is not just the ones who submit to leadership, but it's ultimately those who are accountable to God for how the whole thing goes down. Now think about that for just a second. That's me. I'm accountable to God. Like, I'm account- there's going to be a day where I stand face to face with the God of the universe, the one who laid his life down, who his blood was shed for the beautiful bride of his church, and I'm accountable to God for her. How I treat her, how I manage her, how I exhort her, how I admonish her, how I care for her. It is a worthy and an honorable task, but it is one that oftentimes weighs someone down at times. And it's the idea of 1 Peter 5, 1-3. So I exhort elders among you as fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. I think one question you have to ask yourself when we're just in church membership relations, you're having this conversation, how does a pastor in this day and age know who their flock is? Is it everyone who attends a weekend service? Or is it those who said, I want to be a part of the gathering of believers, I want to be disciplined, I want to be held accountable, I want to be on mission with you, I want to charge the gates of hell for the glory of God with you. I want to be accountable to you. I want to be shepherded by you. Is it that? And I think it's that. Because at the end of the day, how does anyone be accountable to God for someone who's casually attending? I mean, how do you know? Unless someone has signed on with you, how do you know who you should care for? And so for us, that's where we got to uh, about eight years ago. We just said, look, when we began this thing, we're only going to be responsible to God for those who have signed on with us. That doesn't mean that not everybody can be loved, but at the end of the day, I can't shepherd anyone. I can only shepherd those who say, I want to shepherd. And that's really what church membership is about. Y'all know church membership comes down to this. You can only shepherd those who say, I want to shepherd. And so that's kind of the terminology we use. If you want a shepherd, we'd love to shepherd you. If you want to eat green grass, absolutely, eat our green grass. But there's a distinction between eating our green grass and being shepherded. And so being shepherded says, I want you to shepherd me. I want to be a part of the gathering of believers. I want to be disciplined. I want to be a part of it. I want to... I want to submit to your authority as a a person in my life. I want to love the Lord with you. I want to be a part of ownership of this church. Call it membership if you'd like. And I want to do everything that I've signed on to do. I'll be a part of a group. I'll serve. I'll I'll give uh, graciously of my money and my time. I will stewardship all of this. That's what we said. And that's what many people agreed to. And then it just comes down to the last part is there's accountability. Uh, accountability in just this, what? That you're going to preach the gospel, that the gospel will be preached. That's what you should expect of me. That's Galatians 1. We don't preach the gospel because it's easy. 
at the end of the day, it's Galatians 1, 6 through 9. You don't preach the gospel for man's approval. Because at the end of the day, I get it. Not everybody is going to approve of the message of God. We identify members as the standard of God's church. We don't judge outsiders. We only judge those who ultimately have said, I've committed to God for salvation. I'm a part of the local body. I want to be shepherded. I want to be a member. Those are the people that we're holding accountable. Those are the people that we got to have conversations with. Those are the people who help us and ultimately have committed to love one another well. And so it just begs the question, are we doing everything that God wants us to do as the local body? And the answer is probably not. But are we still believing that the local body is God's plan on planet earth to reach the nations? And I would say, yes, it's plan A. There is no other plan. The only way God effectively reaches the nation is through local assemblies committing to go and to reach a dark, lost world, being held accountable by one another, submitting to their leaders for the glory of God, because one day their leaders are going to give an account to God for that local assembly. And so get in and run. Now let me ask you one other thing. Is is that you? Because we're approached our two-year mark. It's actually two years and three months because we knew this series was coming about four months ago. We elected to hold off the 4C assessment. You'll get an email tomorrow if you're a member. Take you about five minutes. And you can go, I don't want to do the 4C assessment. And that's okay if you have that. But let me just kind of give you a different different perspective on it real quick, and then I'm going to make one confession to you. The 4C is a way for us to have conversations with all of our members. Now, look, we have hundreds of members, and unfortunately, we can't sit down and have a conversation with every single member like we would like. But what we can do is we can say, hey, what if we came together as a church And we took just a few moments before we opened that email and that assessment. And what if we just prayed something like this? God, over the next five minutes, there are going to be a series of questions that are before me. And some of those questions are going to be challenging. And some of those questions are going to make me uncomfortable. And other of those questions are going to remind me of where I am. And God, I'm just going to ask you that just as the psalmist David prayed, Lord, would you search me and know me? God, if there be any grievous or there any anxious way in me, would you reveal that to me and lead me in the way everlasting? God, would you prepare my heart and would you help me to be honest with this assessment? Not so that I impress leaders, but at the end of the day, so that I know where I am with you and the areas I still could grow. Amen. And then take five minutes and answer a handful of questions so that God can use that for his glory in our body. It's that easy. And you go, well, what are you going to do with the information anyway? I hope we're going to hold each other accountable to it. You know what I'm going to do with my information? I'm going to print mine off as soon as I do it. And as soon as I get the opportunity, I'm going to take it to my journey group. And I'm going to say, hey, guys, these are the areas I'm struggling in. This is where I think our journey group is right now. I rated our journey group right here, and here's the reasons why I rated it, this way and not that way. And then I'm going to begin to have a dialogue and a conversation with people that God's put in my life as a community who can hold me accountable for the glory of God. Here's my confession. Have we always got it all right? No. At the end of the day, 
and I'm going to stand before God. And what do I think he's going to say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You shepherded the flock of God among you really well. I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. I'm going to die trying to please him. And I pray that you'll join me in that. I love you. I love this body. I love who God's brought here. Do I think we can all do a better job? Absolutely, I do. Do I think we all have growth? Absolutely, I do. Do I think that we can all be prone to selfishness and deceit and not putting others above ourselves? Absolutely, I do. Do I think that I'm the worst of all of us? Probably. And so will you pray for me? Because there's a lot of growth that can happen in me as well. And I hope you know that. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm glad to be able to shepherd this cause locally here. And I pray that if you signed on, that you would prayerfully consider whether or not you'll re-sign on. I hope that we've got two more great years ahead of us. But at the same time, let's be honest with ourselves. If you're like, I don't want to do the things that you're asking me to do as a member, then acknowledge that. That's okay. But if you're going to be a member, let's all do our part. Let me pray for us. God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. Pray, God, you would use it for ultimately the good of your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would help us, God, to uh, just search ourselves, Lord. I pray that you would know us, Lord. If there's something grievous or anxious in us, God, I pray we'd give that to you. At the end of the day, uh, Lord, I know that the local assembly is your way of reaching the nations. I know that the way we do it's probably not perfect, but I also believe that you can bless it, and I pray that you will. We love you, and we thank you for our time together. We thank you, Lord, for being with, with us, uh, and we pray, God, that you would use it Uh, in a way that spurs us on towards love and good deeds. In Jesus' name, amen.